body life. Now I'm interested in your bodies being healthy, but that's not what this is about. It's about the church body and the body of Christ. We want to look at the signs of spiritual growth that we see in this church. For some of you who are involved in the 40 days of purpose or purpose-driven life, you'll know that we're, I'm doing parallel studies right along here on Sunday morning with you. And you'll find some things that I'll be saying will kind of reflect your studies, if you will. So the fourth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach maturity, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is, Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's that analogy of that body again. Paul used it in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, and 13, and he uses it again here in Ephesians. And I really like the analogy. I like the image that he's painting here. Well, I want to put your attention on verse 12 first. For he says that the purpose for these spiritual gifts, the purpose for your natural talents that God has given you, whatever that might be, is for one purpose. And what does he say? To prepare God's people for works of service. What does that mean? Ministry. Each and every one of us should be considered a minister. You are all ministers. We now have signs at the end of our driveway as you're exiting this property that say you're now entering into a mission field. You're missionaries. You're ministering to this community. So we want to see in that sense exactly how we are developing, spiritually speaking, as individuals and as a church. You see, God didn't save any of you to sit. God saved us to serve, to serve. We are all here for that one purpose, and that one purpose is to serve, to prepare God's people for works of service, for ministry. That's who we are. So let's see the signs of spiritual growth. First and foremost, of course, is that Christ-likeness. Verse 13 talks about that. For he says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's our standard. I'm not your standard, and I thank God for that, and so do you. No one on this planet Earth should be your standard. No philosophy, no theology, nothing should be your standard. Jesus Christ and Him alone is our standard. It is the Christ-likeness that we're looking at. Jesus told His disciples in John 13, 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. There's the example. They spent 
over three years following in Jesus' footsteps, watching him teach, listening to what he had to say, watching him heal, listening to what he said to those being healed, listening to what he said to those legalists or those Pharisees, listening to what he said to those who were Gentiles or non-Jews. He watched them. They watched him. They saw him establish the standard of excellence. And it is Christ's likeness that we measure ourselves against. It is we measure ourselves against Jesus Christ, not against each other. God doesn't grade on a curve, folks. I know that's a shock to some of you. Some of you have never been in, in, in curving situations where they're grading, I guess. But what it is, you got the low end, you got the high end, and somewhere in the middle is where most of us would fall. And but so we look at one another and we say, you know, I think that I actually am better than that person. We don't say it out loud. We don't tell other people that, but in our heart we're saying, you know what? I did my devotional this morning, and I know somebody in, in that church that doesn't. I go to church worship services three times a week, maybe four. Maybe I'm doing a home Bible study. Oh, that'll elevate me on the on the chart. Well, I look at these people around me. They're playing golf on Sunday morning. They're not going out on Wednesday night. Obviously, Lord, I'm better than they are. And so we measure ourselves against each other. This is what the Scripture says about that. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So our standard is not one another. We don't look at each other to see where we fall in this spectrum of spirituality. We measure ourselves against one standard, and that is Jesus Christ. We have been given that standard. He has promoted us into this discipleship realm, and this is our standard. So we are not church-centered people. We're not self-centered people. We're not pastor-centered people. We are Christ-centered. And that Christ-likeness is absolutely the standard of excellence by which we strive. Well, when you have that Christ-likeness, three things follow in your spiritual growth. Number one is stability. Look at verse 14. Then we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Every generation. There are people in every generation that want to say the Bible is antiquated. It's out of date. I mean, we are progressives. We're liberals. We have a better idea. We think that some of the Scriptures should be Cut out of the passage. Uh, let's, just, let's just go ahead and, and be obedient to certain passages that we really like. Throw the rest away. It's not relevant anyway. I mean, here we are in 21st century America. We are a lot more enlightened than these people that God shared the Scripture through. Oh, excuse me. Maturity versus immaturity means that I'm not going to buy into that kind of thing. I'm not going to let anybody define what the Scriptures say until I have sought it out in the Word of God. 
That is maturity people. I'm not going to be caught up in any cults or religious pursuits. I'm not going to pursue the latest, greatest thing in, in religion. I am going to be a Christ follower. That's what Christ's likeness is all about. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. He's going to be preeminent in everything that I say and do. He's going to be the one that I follow. It's not a denominational thing. It's not a church thing. It's not an individual thing. It is us making that commitment as a congregation and as individuals to follow Jesus Christ no matter what. And childishness says, I don't think so. Immaturity says, I think there's something else out there. And so that immature, childish person, that infant, as he says, is tossed back and forth by the waves, the, the social norms, you know? Why? Why would you be a Christian? Why would you study the Scripture, they say, in schools and in the community? I don't have any use for that. Well, you say in your own maturity, but I do. It is the stability of my walk with Jesus Christ that is going to carry me through this life. Stability. No longer infants tossed back and forth by waves. Dig your heels in, folks, spiritually speaking, scripturally speaking. And then there's truth with, with love. Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is, Jesus Christ. We're growing up in Him. We're maturing in Him. We're looking forward to being uh, the kind of people that God fashions us to be. But speaking the truth in love, Mary Jo and I have know a person, uh, not in this church, <laughs> present company excluded, but she would always preface something by saying, you know, I tell it like it is. Well, that can be a mean statement. And it was with her. She would tell women, and I've seen her do this, she would tell women that they're too fat, need to lose weight, don't like the dress you're wearing. You could wear something better than that, she would say. And when I would look at her and say, excuse me, she said, I just tell it like it is. <laughs> oh, yeah? It made you really want to tell it like it was to her, but, uh, but there's no love in those statements. There's none whatsoever. And when he says, to, when the Scripture says to speak the truth in love, we need to understand there's some things that we can do in response to people that come out of the source of anger, of, of bitterness or resentment or, or insecurity perhaps. We can say things to, to some others and it not be in love and make that particular person we're talking to fall further away from Christ. So, are we a stumbling block or a stepping stone to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that are we speaking the truth in love? Are we living the word in love? Do we as we grow up in Christ? Are we the kind of people that become that shining example of what Jesus expects us to be? Are we that magnetic personality? Are we drawing people to Christ? Are we literally repelling people from Him? When we don't speak the truth in love, it's a repulsion. It, it repels people away from Jesus Christ. Because they look at us and think, I don't need any of that. I've got enough of that out in the world. And so it is that recognition 
that everything that we do ought to be done through God's love for the understanding that what I'm saying, the words that are coming out of my mouth, though they may be truth, need to be truth in love. You know, it's not a matter of, of saying to somebody that says, I believe I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Speaking the truth would be saying, well, then you're going to hell. But that's not the truth in love. The truth in love would be to try to help that person understand the error of their thought. You need to understand, who do you think created you? Who do you think wired you the way you are? Who do you think is is waiting in eternity for you to step over and to receive you into their kingdom? if you trust in His only begotten Son, Jesus. And I want you to be with me. I want you to be one of my family members. That's the reason I'm telling you these things. Oh, well, you're saying, in your heart you're saying, well, it would be a lot easier to say He's going to hell. That's not speaking the truth in love. That's not the mature response there. Colossians 4, 6, the Scripture says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And if you can't say it in love, just bite your tongue. Swallow your words. Don't go there. Whatever you do, don't go there. Wow. So he says, speak the truth in love. And then he says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. So there's that unity. There's that cooperation. Do you really believe that we are better together than we are alone? I mean, do you really in your heart? I know there are some of us out there that believe, I can do it. I can do it all on my own. I can do it all myself. I am, you know, I really don't need these other folks to do it. You ask me to do something, I don't need it. What we want to understand is that this congregation is, is comprised of ministries, not committees, you know. Elton Trueblood called the church the company of the committed, not the company of the committees, the company of the committed. And so in our, in our thrust in this community, we want to be the kind of people that bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever we say and do. Look at it where he says, from the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Joined and held together, the Greek on that is, is the word harmony. We are in harmony. Can you imagine a choir? Bob, Brother Bob is directing this choir, and he's at uh, choir practice and says, this is what I'm going to do. We've given you the music. You have the notes. You know what the tune is. And the, all the members of the choir say, I think I'd rather sing something different. I don't like what's being sung. I don't like the bass line. I don't like the soprano line, etc. I'm going to sing something different. And so there's chaotic music up there. It's not harmonious at all. And that's the way a lot of churches present themselves to the unbelieving community. We're chaotic. We don't have that one voice. We're not harmonious in who we are and what we're all about. Same thing with an orchestra. Can you imagine? You listen to orchestras tune before their concert. Can you imagine if that was the concert? Every instrument tuning and not really playing anything in harmony with the other instruments? It would be 
awful. And that's the way the churches present themselves when we're not at one with Jesus Christ. Well, we are not program-driven. We are ministry-driven. There's all the difference in the world. We're not about promoting our programs. We're about promoting our Savior. We're about promoting our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to give you two questions that, that I agonize over, not only from the church's perspective, but from a personal perspective. From a personal perspective, ask yourself this. Are lives being changed as a result of my witness, verbal and living? When you look at people, are they being affected adversely or positively by you? Are they being imprinted with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What about our church? Are lives in this community being transformed as a result of our ministries, as a result of our thrust in the community? Because, you know, if a church is not reaching out into its community, they're really just a club. And we don't want to be just a club. We want to be the body of Christ, the body of Christ that is directed by its head, the body of Christ that is directed by none other than Jesus Christ. We are His body. And as His body, we minister in a way that pleases Him. Hmm. So, our lives being changed as a result of the influence of this church in our community. Now, here's the second question, and it's a follow-up to that. And I hate this question. Are people better off after being associated with us? Are people better off after being associated with you as an individual? I mean, when you move out of that community, do, do people really notice that you're gone? Have you made any kind of an impact on other people or not? What about our church? What about this body of Christ here, Trinity Baptist Church? Are, would, would it make any difference in the, in the community if we shut our doors for the last time? Would Sun City Center and beyond even know that we no longer existed? Do we make an impact? Do we make a difference on the lives of people? Now, he continues by saying, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, our vital organs aren't really attractive when they're laying out on a table. The heart, the lungs, the liver, the kidneys, and on and on. If you take all those things and put them out on the table, it's not really pretty. But if you take any of these body parts, cut it off from the body, put it out on the table, immediately it begins to die. That's what happens to you and I when we separate ourselves from the body, when we no longer come. And I know there's, there's folks that are gone on vacations and away with family, and I know there's illnesses and hospitalization. I understand that. But to consciously exclude yourself from the body of Christ. The old analogy, of course, is the fireplace. You have two logs that are burning brightly in a fireplace. You take one log apart from the fireplace and set it off by itself, and what happens? Eventually the fires die out in that. And that's the way it is with church fellowship. 
when we cut ourselves off from the body, the fires go out. There are things that happen corporately in group settings as we worship the Lord, as we study the Bible together, as we do all these fantastic things for the Lord that cannot be duplicated when you're alone. And that's why we gather together for worship as a family of faith, as a church family. So any member of the body that is detached from the body will miss all it was created to be and will ultimately die. We are better together than we are alone. Okay? Now, here's the other thing. As we look at this, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Each one of us has been given, as we have talked about earlier, spiritual gifts. Each one of us has been given natural talents and abilities. It is God's desire as our creator, as the master potter, that this lump of clay that he's forming in us become fashioned to bring him glory and satisfaction. So, how are you doing that? This body life, this body life that we're discussing today is that Christ-likeness, stability, truth, joined with love, and then ultimately cooperation. Well, we have those that, that don't prefer the cooperation. This church you as an individual, as a member of this body of Christ, are only going to be as effective and as efficient as we allow the head, Jesus Christ, to influence us. If you continue to be a lone ranger, for example, if you continue to feel that you can do more things alone than you can together with the body, then you begin to debilitate that body. You begin to make it less efficient, less effective. When you have a body part that's not functioning properly, it demeans or debilitates your body. And so the first thing we do is we go get some kind of medical help and we try to get that body part to function in a way that it was originally designed. Same thing, we go to the great physician, God, through Jesus Christ, when we are not functioning in a way that brings Him the glory and the honor and the praise that He so richly deserves, and we ask Him, great physician, here's my problem. And he begins to heal us from inside out. And we join that body and the body becomes powerful. The body becomes mobilized. The body is no longer debilitated at the point where you fit in. Because now you're serving Him in a greater capacity. Wow. So the question, I guess, is, you, me, are lives being changed because of us? Is our people better off after having been associated with us as an individual or as a church? From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does, it work, as does its work. We're either growing or we're dying. That's a biological law. 
you're either growing or you're dying. You're either improving or you're deteriorating. What's your answer? You're here, maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity. Jesus said that if anyone can call upon Him in faith, you will be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible tells us that that God loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son into this world to die on the cross for your sins, for mine. So, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you ever trusted Him? Today would be the perfect day to ask Jesus to forgive your sin, to come into your life and make you what He wants you to be.